so lagnia and estrogen now discusses about lucky and poso and we come to know that they had already been familiar with lucky and poso at a time when they were much better off when they were wealthy and in a good condition they had been acquainted with the two but they uh, poso and lucky failed to recognize the trams because they are in a pitiable condition now estrogen Lagnia asked Estragon whether he didn't recognize Lucky and Poso. Estragon, I suppose I did, but I don't know them. So Estragon, uh, as Poso also uh, suffers from the same condition, Estragon also, just like Poso, has a failing memory. Lagnia, yes, you do know them. So this uh, idea that almost all the characters in the play suffer from a failure of memory is deliberately inserted by Beckett in order to prove the fact that uh, remembering something is not at all important in a world which is totally devoid of any meaning. Lagnia, yes, you do know them. No, I don't know them. We know them, I tell you. You forget everything, pause to himself, unless they are not the same. So Ladmir tries to remember. He says, no, of course, Estragon, you are also acquainted with them unless uh, they are not the same. Or maybe we had just seen two characters who were exactly, who looked exactly like them. Estragon, why didn't they recognize us then? That means nothing. I too pretended not to recognize them and then nobody ever recognizes us. So that that doesn't mean anything. Ladmir is not surprised that Pozo and Lucky couldn't recognize them because he knows that they have changed a lot from the time that uh, the two characters had earlier seen them. They had been wealthy at that time and uh, of course Ladmir says that nobody ever recognizes them now because they are just ordinary trams who do not merit recognition at all. Estragon, forget it. What we need? Ow! Ladmir does not react. Ow! Ladmir to himself, unless they are not the same. So Ladmir is unaware of the fact that Estragon is probably in pain because Estragon constantly keeps on crying out. He keeps telling himself, oh, I wonder whether they are the same people whom we had met earlier, Estragon. Didi, it's the other foot. He goes hobbling towards the mound. So as he always has, Estragon has a problem with his boots. It's hurting him again. So, uh, Estragon constantly has a problem with his boots while Ladmir has a problem uh, with his prostate. So, now Estragon's foot keeps hurting and he keeps hopping. He, he jumps, hops and jumps towards the mound. The mound is uh, the only setting that we have there in the background. And it symbolizes a place of comfort for Estragon. Whenever he needs some sort of relief or comfort, he goes to the mound. Ladmir. Unless they are not the same. So Ladmir is still oblivious to the fact that Estragon is suffering. He keeps thinking about Lucky and Pozo. Boy, off. So this is another minor character whom we see in the play. A boy keeps entering. Uh, for the first time the boy enters. He is a messenger from Godo. Mr. Estragon halts. Both look towards the voice. Estragon. Off we go again. Ladmir. Approach, my child. Enter boy timidly. He halts. Boy, Mr. Albert. So the boy has come to convey a message and uh, he calls Ladmir by his first name, Mr. 
Albert. This is for the first time that Ladmir is referred to by his first name in the play. So he has come to convey a message, obviously, Ladmir. Yes. So note that Ladmir responds to this name. So this is probably his first name or uh, Ladmir merely pretends to respond because he is called so politely. Estrogen. What do you want? Ladmir. Approach. The boy does not move. Estrogen. Forcibly. Approach when you are told, can't you? The boy advances timidly, halts. What is it? Mr. Kodo. Obviously. Approach. Estrogen violently. So compared to Ladmir, Estrogen has no control over his temper and we find that in many places in the play, Estrogen reacts more violently than Ladmir. Ladmir is the more restrained and controlled of the two. Will you approach? The boy advances timidly. What kept you so late? You have a message from Mr. Godos. Ladmir tries to talk to the boy reassuringly in contrast to Estragon who chides him or even scolds him constantly. Boy, yes sir. Well, what is it? What kept you so late? So Estragon is in fact annoyed at the boy's um, inability to convey the message on time. The boy looks at them in turn, not knowing to which he should reply. So the boy is confused to whom he should respond because both Ladmir and Estragon keep talking to him. Ladmir to Estragon. Let him alone. Estragon violently. You let me alone. So Estragon is frustrated at the way things are moving on. He has nothing left to do in this world and Estragon is the one who constantly reacts against this pitiful situation that he finds himself in. Advancing to the boy. Do you know what time it is? Boy. So this is for the first time that we find Estragon referring to time. Usually Estragon and Ladmir have no concern at all. They are not at all. They, are regard, they, they do not consider uh, time to be of any significance at all. Afraid. Um, it, boy recoiling. It's not my fault sir Estragon. And whose is it? Mine. I was afraid, sir. Afraid of what? Of us? Answer me. Ladmir, I know what it is. He was afraid of the others. So Ladmir is more understanding and empathetic in comparison to Estragon. He understands that the boy had probably not approached them because he was afraid of Pozo and Lucky who had been there with them earlier. So he asked the boy gently whether it was because of Pozo and Lucky that he hadn't entered Estragon. How long have you been here? A good while, sir. So the boy had been there for a long time. But since he was afraid of Lucky and Poso, he had not entered the scene. Ladmir, you were afraid of the whip. So Ladmir, very gently, just uh, as he always is, he behaves more like a parent to Estragon and he, he, he is more like a motherly figure. He understands that the boy was probably afraid of the whip that Poso was holding. And uh, remember that Poso always used a whip to control Lucky. Yes, sir. The rose. So Poso spoke in a very loud voice. Everything that he had done was more like a performance. So pro probably the boy was afraid of the loud voice, uh, the roaring voice of Poso. Yes, sir. The two big men. Yes, sir. Do you know them? No, sir. Are you a native of these parts? Do you belong to these parts? Yes, sir. Estrogen. That's all a pack of lies. Lies, shaking the boy by the arm. Tell us the truth. So Estragon 
is not at all in a mood to deal with the little boy gently, whereas Ladmir tries to control him. Boy trembling. But it is the truth, sir. Ladmir, will you let him alone? What's the matter with you? Estragon releases the boy, moves away, covering his face with his hands. So Estragon behaves as such because he is frustrated with his lot. And he knows that the boy has come to deliver the message that Godo will not arrive. Ladni and the boy observe him. Estragon drops his hand. He is totally disappointed. His face is convulsed. What's the matter with you, Estragon? I am unhappy. Ladni, not really. Since when? I had forgotten. So Estragon keeps forgetting things. He, still, uh, he keeps giving evidence of the fact that he has a failing memory. Ladni, extraordinary the tricks that memory plays. So Ladmir feels that Estragon forgets things very quickly. Estragon tries to speak, renounces, limps to his place, sits down and begins to take off his boots to boy. Well, so Estragon also has a problem with his boots. Probably that's the reason why he's so irritated. He moves to the mound and he begins to take off his boots and then asks the boy, Well, Mr. Godo, Ladmir, I've seen you before, haven't I? I don't know, sir. You don't know me? So in this play... Another aspect that we find is that people do not or they fail to recognize each other despite of the fact that they have probably met earlier. Lucky and Pozo fail to recognize the trams. The trams fail to recognize or at least Estragon fails to remember Lucky and Pozo. The boy doesn't remember whether they, he has met Ladmir and Estragon before and Ladmir too fails to remember whether it was the same boy that he had met earlier. So everything is confusing in a world where uh, meaning has totally been lost you don't know me no sir it wasn't you came yesterday so we understand that every day a messenger is sent to the trams by godo and this waiting has been continuing for a long time perhaps that's the reason why struggle is so utterly devastated this is your first time yes sir silence words words speak boy in a rush Mr. Godo told me to tell you he won't come this evening but surely tomorrow. So we know that now from the boy's statement that their state of perpetual waiting continues. So this is going to continue. This is never going to end. Is that all? Yes, sir. Silence. You work for Mr. Godo? Yes, sir. What do you do? I mind the goats, sir. So here again the reference to minding the goats is taken from St. Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 46 in the bible where there is a mentioning of people being divided in the same way as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat the sheep are symbolic of the virtuous people who are rewarded and the goats are symbolic of the evil ones who are damned here the boy who takes care of the goats is damned is spared so we have the opposite situation here the boy who takes care of the goats, uh, later on we come to know that this boy has not been given a beating by his master while his brother, there is another boy, probably that was the boy who had uh, been a messenger earlier. So the other boy is constantly beaten by the master. So there is a reversal of the situation in the Bible here. You will understand it when we move on to the next page. So, uh, um, the boy who takes care of the goats uh, is spared from the beating every day and the one who takes care of the sheep is beaten. So, in contrast to the situation in the Bible, 
the boy who takes care of the goat is represented as the good one or he is spared the beating and the one who takes care of the sheep is beaten up the sheep is not seen in a virtuous light in uh, in this play so this is uh, also an idea that tells us uh, that salvation is arbitrary it is not for the good deeds we do or for the bad deeds we do that we are uh, rewarded or punished it is uh, reward and punishment are both meted out in an arbitrary manner so this is also a vindication of beckett's um, beckett's atheist ideas he does not believe uh, he believes in a godless universe in fact so um we let's follow the conversation in order to understand what i told you just told you more uh, in detail ladmia asks is he good to you so that is a reference to the master godo yes sir he doesn't beat you no sir not me whom does he beat he beats my brother sir so uh, these two boys also take us back to the first children in the bible the children of adam and eve abel and cain one one boy uh, abel uh, in the bible abel is rewarded while cain is punished so the two boys remind us of abel and cain while one boy is constantly punished the other is constantly spared of punishment whom does he beat he beats my brother so so from this passage we also understand that godo is probably a reference to god as well ah you have a brother yes sir what does he do he minds the sheep sir and why doesn't he beat you i don't know sir so this line tells us that uh, judgment is not based on the virtue or the evil that you commit it is rather on the basis of arbitrary decisions or at least that is what beckett tries to convey ladmir he must be fond of you i don't know sir so ladmir asked does he give you enough to eat does he feed you well fairly well sir you're not unhappy do you hear me yes sir well i don't know sir you don't know if you're unhappy or not no sir you're as bad as myself so this boy is also in the same situation as a tramp he doesn't even know whether he is happy or sad where do you sleep in the loft sir with your brother yes sir in the hay yes sir all right you may go what am i to say to mr godo sir tell him he hesitates ha uh, tell him you saw us you did see us didn't you so there is isn't anything substantial that ladmir wants to convey to godo because there is nothing important happening in their life so he just wants the boy to convey the message that he has nearly seen ladmir yes sir he steps back hesitates turns and exit running the light suddenly fails in a moment it is night the moon rises at back mounts in the sky stands still shedding a pale light on the scene so now the moonlight is there ladmir at last estrogen gets up and goes towards ladmir a boot in each hand he puts them down at the edge of stage straightens and contemplates the moon so for the first time we find estrogen becoming a bit poetic usually it is the other way around it is ladmir who is poetic what are you doing estrogen pale for weariness so this is a verse from shelley's poem to the moon shelley uh, this is how shelley's verse goes 
Art thou pale for weariness of climbing heaven and gazing on the earth? So it tells us that estrogen also becomes poetic at times. And uh, estrogen adapts from Shelley's poem which conveys the idea that Beckett probably used this verse deliberately to establish that Ladmia and Estragon are in fact educated. They were not just well off, perhaps they are also well educated. Estragon of climbing heaven and gazing on the likes of us. So the moon seems to have climbed up to heaven and it is gazing down on us. Ladmia, your boots. What are you going to do with your boots? So your boots are hurting you, isn't it? What are you going to do with that? Estrogen turning to look at the boots. I'm leaving them there. Another will come, just as, as, as me, but with smaller feet and they'll make him happy. So this also tells us that any person can be substituted or is substitutable in this universe. So Estrogen feels that the boots can be left there and if he does not wear the boots, then someone else who has smaller feet than him will probably wear it better. He cannot wear it because his feet are too big for the boots. Ladmir, but you can't go barefoot, Estrogen. Christ did. So this is also probably an indication to Christ uh, waiting for another one to lead his way. John the Baptist leading the way. Uh, that is the reminder that this line tells us another will come just as uh, good as me. It's almost similar to the words that Christ says when he refers to John the Baptist. So one can always be substituted by another. So uh, Estragon now compares himself to Christ. When Ladmia asks him whether he can go barefoot, Estragon says he can because Christ also did so. So there are a number of biblical references if you have noted. Ladmia repeats, Christ, what's Christ got to do with it? You're not going to compare yourself with Christ. So this is a statement of uh, dignity that comes from Estragon where he compares himself to Christ, the son of God or the son of man. It tells us that uh, he Estragon uh, compares himself to Christ probably because just as Christ lived and was crucified, uh, Ladmia Estragon also is constantly suffering at the hands of others. He is constantly beaten up. He is constantly crucified. And uh, it is also uh, indicative of the idea that the trams keep longing for death. Just as Christ was uh, waiting for his death, the trams are also probably waiting for their end. All my life I have compared myself to him. These lines are important. This line is important because Estragon feels that he or his situation, his life is similar to that of Christ. But where he lived, it was warm, it was dry. How can you compare yourself to Christ? Christ lived in a very warm and dry place, whereas we live in an extremely cold region. Estragon, yes, and they crucified quick. So they, they did that. The crucifixion came quickly. So this is almost Estragon's yearning or desire to die as quickly as Christ did. He wants to put an end to his life, Estragon. We have nothing more to do here, Estragon, nor anywhere else. Ah, go, go. Don't go on like that. Tomorrow everything will be better. So this shows us that 
Ladmir is the more optimistic of the two and the more spiritually toned of the two. How do you make that out? Did you not hear what the child said? No. He said that Godo was sure to come. So these two are totally in contrast to each other while Estragon is pessimistic and does not take note of anything positive. Ladmir is optimistic and he believes in the child in spite of the fact that every day a one boy or the other comes with a message that Godo will not arrive. Ladmir is still optimistic that Godo would surely arrive the next day. What do you say to that? Then all we have to do is to wait on there. So Estragon conveys the frustrating idea that waiting has to continue. The act of waiting will continue. Then all we have to do is to wait on here. Are you mad? We must take cover. So Ladmir had earlier hinted that, that it was extremely cold there. So since it is cold, he believes they should take cover. He takes Estragon by the arm. So just as he does every time, he tries to protect Estragon. He takes him by the arm. Come on. He draws Estragon after him. Estragon yields, then dresses. They halt. Estragon looking at the tree. Pity, we haven't got a bit of rope. So Estragon wishes to have a rope so that they could commit suicide. And thus they could probably end the con continuous frustrating waiting for Godo. Ladmir, come on, it's cold. He draws Estragon after him as before. Remind me to bring a bit of rope tomorrow. So Estragon only hopes for death. So he wants Ladmir to remind him to bring a rope. Yes, come on. He draws him after him as before. How long have we been together all the time now? I don't know. So Estragon normally doesn't remember anything. So he doesn't know how long they have to been together as friends. Ladmir says 50 years perhaps. So this also shows us that uh, Estragon and Ladmir are an old pair. They are quite old. Unlike the, the, the way they behave seems to tell us that they are young, but in fact they are old. Do you remember the day I threw myself into the road? So this line is suggestive of the fact that Estragon had also tried to commit suicide earlier. He asks Ladmir whether he remembers the time when he had jumped into the river road to commit suicide and Ladmir had saved him. We were grape harvesting. Ladmir uh, reminds Estragon that that was the time when the two of them had been doing a job out there. They were doing grape harvesting. And at that point of time, Estragon grew weary of his life and tried to commit suicide. He jumped into the river Rhone. You fished me out. So just like you put in the fishing rod and take a fish out, you took me out of the river. That's all dead and buried. So why do you want to talk about it now? That's all. Finish, that is the past, it is dead and buried. My clothes dried in the sun and then I was so wet that you that you put my clothes out to dry in the sun. There's no good harking back on that. Come on, it's the past. Why do you want to keep talking about that? He draws him after him as before Estragon. Wait, I'm cold. Wait, he moves away from Ladmir. I wonder if we wouldn't have been better off alone. Each one for himself, so... In between, Estragon keeps talking in this manner. Even though he knows that he cannot separate himself from Ladmir, he keeps harping on the idea that they should be separated, that they should not move on together. So he tells Ladmir, isn't it better that we parted? He crosses the stage and sits down on the mound. As usual, he goes to the mound when he needs some relief. We weren't made for the same road. A. We are not meant to be together. We weren't made for the same road direction we shouldn't keep moving together perhaps we should separate 
Vladimir without anger. So Vladimir is as usual more controlled. He is not at all angry even when Estragon suggests this. He uh, is very calm and in control of himself he says. It is not certain. No, nothing is certain. Again, echoing of the theme of uh, the, the play which tells us that everything is uncertain. Vladimir slowly crosses the stage and sits down beside Estragon. So he realizes that Vladimir is a person who is very sympathetic and understanding. Now he realizes that Estragon is frustrated. Perhaps that's the reason why he is talking. So, Vladimir, we can still part if you think it would be better. So very gently he tells Estragon, if you think we better part, all right, we will part ways, Estragon. It's not worthwhile now. So Estragon really doesn't know what to do. He says, oh, even that is not a solution. It's not worthwhile, Vladimir. No, it's not worthwhile now. Well, Shall we go? Yes, let's go. But they do not move because they cannot exit from the world. So that is the condition in which they are in. They are trapped in a world where they cannot commit suicide. They cannot die. They cannot even move an inch from the place where they are in. They keep contemplating suicide time and again. They keep attempting suicide. They keep trying to exit they keep trying to move, but they are unable to do anything. Suicide, they believe, is a permanent exit from all sufferings of the world. But even that, they are unable to do. So, we will continue with Act 2 in the next class. Let's stop here.